A CNN report issued in the midst of the January 2024 cold spell in the United States read, quote, an unprecedented heat makes way for cold. It can provide fuel for climate change deniers who point to freezing temperatures as evidence that global warming is overstated. Some scientists, though, say that climate change may even be playing a role in these icy blasts, as warming in the Arctic increases the likelihood that frigid polar air can sweep southward, unquote. So let's discuss science, the real science, not media hype. I am David Arley Gates, and welcome to Created to Rain, a production of the Cornwall Alliance for the Stewardship of Creation. The Cornwall Alliance is a ministry dedicated to helping fulfill the mandate God gave mankind in Genesis 1.28, to subdue and rule the earth in a way that enhances its fruitfulness, its beauty, and its safety for the glory of God and for the benefit of our neighbors. All right, here we go again. Extreme weather. It must be global warming. Never let an extreme weather event get away without using it to proclaim that it proves global warming is wreaking havoc on our planet, even if that extreme event is extreme cold. The continuing narrative is that a warmer world is a more variable world. Catherine Hayhoe's weather weirding fits this notion perfectly. Warming creates more floods, more droughts, more heat waves, and, yes, more cold outbreaks. For statistics nerds, you increase the mean, or the average, and you will also increase the variance, or the variability. Makes sense, doesn't it? Except, let's look at some articles from back when global cooling was in vogue. In an article in Fortune in 1974, the author wrote, a fair rule of thumb is that any climate change is bad. Wow, and that's what they are still saying. But let's continue. Quote, as for the present cooling trend, a number of leading climatologists have concluded that it is very bad news. They say that it is the root cause of a lot of that unpleasant weather around the world. And they warn that it carries the potential for human disasters of unprecedented magnitude. There seems to be a return to the more extreme and variable weather conditions, including floods, droughts, and great winter blizzards that were typical of the 19th century, unquote. Hmm. An article in Newsweek one year later in 1975 added, quote, meteorologists note the slight drop in overall temperature that produces large number of pressure centers in the upper atmosphere. These break up the smooth flow of westerly winds, which cause an increase in extremes of local weather, such as droughts, floods, extended dry spells, long freezes, delayed monsoons, and even local temperature increases, unquote. So let's recap. Global cooling, more extremes. Global warming, more extremes. So unless in the early 1970s, we were perched on a saddle point of just the most perfect climate conditions possible, someone has to be wrong. Which is it? Colder is more variable or is warmer more variable? 
Well, to answer that question, we need to understand what drives global atmospheric circulation. We know that the poles are cold and the equator is hot, but imagine for a moment that the poles and the equator are at exactly the same temperature. What happens to global circulation? There isn't any. Why? It is the equator to pole temperature gradient that drives our global atmospheric circulation. We would still have winds, up valley versus down valley winds, land and sea breezes, but none caused by global atmospheric circulation. No polar easterlies, no tropical trade winds, no mid-latitude westerlies, no Hadley cells, no polar cells. They all result from the equator to pole temperature imbalance and the flow of energy from areas of higher energy toward areas of lower energy. So let's return to our current planet where the poles are much colder than the equator. Now let our planet warm slightly. That could be for any one of a number of reasons. The sun becomes brighter, greenhouse gases become more plentiful, natural variability, reduced volcanic activity, take your pick. What happens to the equator to pole temperature gradient in our slightly warmed world? Well, the fact is that in a warming world, the air at the poles will warm faster than the air at the equator due to six primary reasons and feedbacks. First, colder air warms more with the same amount of energy input than does warmer air due to the derivative of the Stefan-Boltzmann radiation law. Second, moist tropical air has a higher specific heat. That is, the amount of energy required to raise the temperature of one gram of a substance by one degree Celsius. Then does dry polar air because water vapor has a higher specific heat than dry air. Third, the change in albedo, or surface reflectance, is greater in the polar regions due to the melding of highly reflective ice and snow and the uncovering of darker soils and tundra. Fourth, sea ice provides a layer of insulation between the unfrozen water beneath and the potentially much colder air above. Warming reduces the sea ice coverage which allows energy in the relatively warmer water to warm the air above it. Fifth, the lack of convection at the poles keeps the warming closer to the surface. Unlike the tropics, where the atmosphere becomes unstable due to surface heating and rising air occurs, the polar regions are not heated sufficiently to create rising air, and the creation of the polar high inhibits vertical motion. Thus, the warmer air stays near the ground. And finally, the evaporation of water near the equator stores energy as latent heat, that is the energy associated with the phase transition of water from a liquid to a gas, which then is transported poleward by the global circulation. This latent energy then is released as condensation occurs in higher latitudes, thereby transporting energy poleward. Now, whether you followed all that or not, these factors lead to an enhanced warming in the winter and less warming during the summer near the pole. Thus, in a warmed world, the equator to pole temperature gradient is reduced, and global circulation will be diminished. Now, for the million-dollar question. How does that affect the variability of weather events? Well, the most extreme weather events, flooding, tornadoes, hail, lightning, etc., all require a collision of disparate air masses, cold and dry versus warm and moist. A warming planet will decrease this disparity and thus make the formation of these most extreme weather events more unlikely. Same with hurricanes. They are very efficient at moving energy poleward. 
But if there is less energy to move poleward due to a lessened equator to pole temperature gradient, there will be less hurricanes and those that do form will be less intense. Research by Kerry Mock at the University of South Carolina and my friend Cam Lu at Louisiana State University have both demonstrated that along the coast of the United States and China, hurricane activity was most prevalent during colder periods of the last 400 years than during warmer periods. Now, for those of you that have graduated to Weather 201, you probably have heard of zonal versus meridional flow. Zonal flow follows lines of latitude, where strictly an east-west flow. Meridional flow follows lines of longitude or meridians and is more north-south flow. When there are stronger air temperature contrasts, as with an enhanced equator-to-pole temperature gradient, the flow of air in the upper atmosphere becomes more wavy or meridional. When temperature contrasts diminish, the flow becomes more flat or zonal. Extratropical cyclones in a zonal flow regime tend to be weaker, while they tend to be stronger and move slower in meridional flow. Extreme weather events occur during periods of intense wavy or meridional flow, which include not just storm intensities, but extreme temperatures as well. During any outbreak of extreme weather, look at the upper atmospheric flow on a weather map and you will see it exhibits extreme waviness. It certainly is not flowing purely east to west. Thus, meridional, or wavy flow, occurs more frequently as a result of an increased equator-to-pole temperature gradient, and thus would decrease in both intensity and frequency in a warming world. So a warmer world is a less variable world, and I will posit that that is in fact a good thing. But as I keep hearing, Mr. Legates, 97% of climate scientists disagree with you, so you must be wrong. Well, put aside the fact that the number is a lie, I now have a new go-to quote. It is from Joseph Henry Woodger, a 20th century British theoretical biologist who was highly influential in the development of the philosophy of biology. In 1948, he wrote, Admittedly, some hypotheses have become so well established that no one doubts them. But this does not mean that they are known to be true. We cannot determine the truth of a hypothesis by counting the number of people who believe it. And a hypothesis does not cease to be a hypothesis when a lot of people believe it. Follow the real science, not the fake media. Thank you for listening to Created to Reign. Until next time, I am David Arley Gates, and may God richly bless you.